Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. I've been on an eight-day road trip that is ending with a stop at the Louisiana Baptist Children's Home before I travel back to Birmingham tomorrow. My first visit several days ago was with staff of the Arkansas Baptist Children's Homes and Family Ministries. I am a huge fan of our Baptist Children's Homes across the nation. Today's conversation is with Becky Bruns, who serves as an adoption specialist for the Arkansas Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. Becky was involved with the adoption of our daughter 22 years ago. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Becky, welcome to the podcast. I'm so delighted to be visiting with you today. Thank you. This is my first podcast, so I'm delighted to be doing it with you. Well, that's hard to believe because you've been an adoption advocate for how many years? For decades. Yes, uh, over 25. I know that because you worked with our family when we adopted our daughter. I did. I did. 25 years. How did you get into adoption? What was the catalyst that caused you to think, this is what God wants me to do with my life? Well, in the beginning, it was more um, our church really advocating back in the early 80s after Roe v. Wade to be involved in ministries that were pro-life. And they came to Arkansas in the mid-80s, and they were looking for families to serve as interim care families or foster families for that 10-day period that a birth mom has to change her mind after she signs her paperwork. You're familiar with that because you only got one day's notice because the 10 days had passed when uh, yes. you were called about Hannah. So, yes. so we started out as an interim care family, my daughter, my husband, and me. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I thought, this should be easy. And they said, he'll be with you for the 10 days to two weeks. Well, six weeks later, they called and said, we're coming to get him tomorrow. And I can still cry talking about this. The grief and the loss that we felt mm-hmm. at him leaving our home, even though we had never intended to be an adoptive family, was pretty overwhelming. And he left, and a few months later, they asked if I would like to become part of the team there. And my thought was, this can't be any harder <laughs> than saying goodbye to that baby after six weeks. So yes, I would enjoy working there. It's not like all my life I thought I want to adopt or be involved in this ministry. It was just that personal experience. And I'll tell you, I started out doing home studies, but pretty quickly I moved over to work with birth parents. And the first young woman that came to me came at eight weeks pregnant, and she stayed with me until she delivered that baby. And when I went to the hospital to take the baby, after she had had some time with the baby, I walked in the room, And she was holding that child, cradling her, talking to her. So I gave her some time. And when she said, okay, I'm ready, she handed that baby over to me. And I walked out of that room. And I had to stop and lean up against the wall because all those feelings I felt when that little boy left, I felt again for her. And that is when I began to understand what a courageous and brave and totally in a way, transparent thing those women had to do. You know, it was a very public thing. Everyone in the hospital knew what was happening there. And it was usually the most compassionate thing that they could do for their child. Absolutely. She had chosen that plan from the day she walked in. And we looked at her other options, but she never wavered that this was the right thing for her child. And so to your point, Sandy, every woman I've worked with 
with a couple of exceptions, just to be honest here, have made their plan out of the best interest of their child. Absolutely. No other motive. I well, it is child. such a sacred journey. Yes. I know. Yes. It was for us. Yeah. yeah. Now you got me started down this track of crying. Uh, I know it was for us. I'm in the Baptist building in Little Rock, not the same one, but uh, we did have the adoption ceremony for our daughter at the Baptist building. And because the offices of the adoption agency were under construction and they said, where could, where could we have a ceremony? And so I called my supervisor and I said, can we use the chapel at the Baptist building? And the next day when we arrived, there was a reception set up and gifts everywhere. And the chapel was packed full of people who wept. Yeah, yeah. You know, the beauty of this, and I was just thinking and talking about this yesterday with someone, infant adoption is not adversarial. It's a woman saying, I can't do this and I need to find somebody who can because I care about this child's future. And it's a couple saying, we want to provide a future for a child. Yeah. And it's those two parts of the, it's a triad with the child at the top of the pyramid. It's that birth mom and that couple coming together and saying, we're going to partner, in a sense, in the best interest of this child. Well, I always tell people I had about 100 people in my delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know it was the highlight of our lives. But I still have people 22 years later talk about what a meaningful experience that was mm -hmm. to participate in that adoption yeah. ceremony. Yeah. It's holy ground. It, it, is. it absolutely it's very is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I never wanted to take that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you retired. I did. And God said, mm -mm, not yet. <laughs> he did. Um, and this is a great story. I feel like COVID had been on for, going for about a year. And I'd done well with that at first. In fact, I began to wonder, am I doing too well? <laughs> I was enjoying being at home and yes. not doing nothing. Uh, about January, I had a regular uh, test for my heart, which I do every year, so nothing was wrong. But it was just one of those times your stress test is coming up. And praying about that, I just said, Lord, I feel like I still have ministry left. Um, I just want to be healthy, you know. So we rolled along. I shared that with my community group on February the 28th. I remember sharing. I asked God if I could be healthy because I feel like I have ministry. The next day, the agency that I used to work for essentially closed their doors in Arkansas. A few days later, Derek Brown, who's the executive director here, and Charles Flynn, who you know as the director of operations, called. Call me in Walmart. I don't usually answer my phone in Walmart, but I did. And they said, we're thinking about adding adoption to what we do because this other agency is closed. Can we talk to you about it? And I'm like, sure. So we talked the next day and they said, well, we think we want to do it. And I said, then I get to train your people. And they really too quickly said, okay. <laughs> so uh, I said, give me the weekend. I really need to talk to my husband and pray about it. And they said, okay. So that Sunday night, I was back with my D group and I said, Here's what happened this week. And we've been studying Jonah. And one of the guys in the group said, if you don't want to end up in the belly of the whale, you better take the job. <laughs> so on Monday, I said yes. And I started on April 1st. And here we are, what, 90 days later. That's a pretty quick it's answer a, to prayer. It, it was very quick. And 
dropped in my lap, you know, I was compelled to take it. Well, that's when you know it's a God yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. If you pray believing He's going to lead you to what you should do, He always does. Yeah, he does, and He did, yeah. Well, the children's home here is doing some pretty unique things related to adoption. Talk yes. to me about that. You know what? I've told Derek and Charles I wouldn't do this anywhere else. When they started telling me about all of the wraparound services that they have created here to serve women, whether they choose adoption or not, living well counseling centers, and they're all over the state, family care homes, and there are three around the state that can now be used by a woman who's pregnant if we feel like that's a good option. They're developing an advocacy program. And all of these were developed before adoption, but they're such a perfect wraparound for a woman who comes to us needing help in a crisis. And uh, I, I just thought, yeah, this has to be the place to do this. And then we're involving adoptive couples in the ministry by asking them to consider being a respite care family while they wait for uh, the child that God has for them. So that serves a need already within yes. the ministry. And I think it helps prepare them for being a parent if they yes. aren't one yet. And then these women will have the advantage of someone who's well aware, a couple who's well aware of the services available to all of them through the years. Because sometimes you need help. Everybody needs help parenting, you know, yeah. and sometimes you do an adoption. And so everything that we offer here is going to be available for that birth mom and the family. I them. love the continuum of ministry. Yeah. It's not just step into here and we will help you and then you're on your own. Right. There is a continuum. Absolutely. When they shared all that with me and I thought back, even though I felt like I was a part of a good agency those other years, there was a time when we had to let a birth mom be on her own, had mm -hmm. to say goodbye. And that was hard because some of them struggled or continued to struggle. So here, the counseling's always available. That home would be available to her if she had other children and said, I'm just not stable. I, I need more help. And possibly that advocate becomes a lifelong friend and advocate for her. Yeah. Why not add this and do it in this way? It just seemed like the right way to do what it. What a way to cap off decades of ministry yeah. to be able to get to do that. And everything in the last 25 years that God led you through has prepared you for this moment. It has. Uh, now, I've never started an agency before. I will tell you, things keep popping in my head. Oh, we need to do that. We need to do this. Yeah, I've learned so much. I knew, as I told you, really nothing about adoption when I started. And so my knowledge of that, my empathy for that, my passion for that, it's just grown over the years. And now I get to share that with other people. That is amazing. Well, tell me about the adoption part that you're trying to develop. Because what you guys are proposing, I've never heard any ministry do what you are proposing, and I want people to hear about what God is leading you to do. Well, we're trying to partner with every pregnancy resource center around the state to make them aware that we're here and what we're doing and of all these other resources that are available uh, to the women that come to them. Hospitals, counseling, anybody who would work with a woman who was struggling or might come to them saying, I'm pregnant, I don't know what to do. We're making ourselves known to all those people, and I'm training people all over the place, you know, about how we do adoption. And then our families are being trained to understand trauma, and it's uh, trauma-based intervention and all of those. The parts that sometimes, again, you don't think of with an infant. Mm -hmm. Some infants 
struggle because their moms struggle. And so we want to eliminate as much struggle for that mom as we can while that baby's in utero. But sometimes they have struggles. And, and so we want our families to be aware of that and prepared for that. And that's a reason why doing respite care or foster care would be really helpful to them uh, because we know children in foster care have had quite a bit of trauma. And loving on them and parenting them and caring for them takes lots of information that maybe we don't need in biological parenting, although as a biological parent, yes, we do. <laughs> so having families who are well-trained in trauma and uh, the things that might affect a child as they grow up, and openness, which I'm not sure when you were uh, with us, we did much openness between an adoptive family and a birth family. And I'm not talking about she sees the child every week or anything like that. I'm talking about different levels of openness. It could be letters and pictures. It could be emails, a Facebook page. It could be visits and openness. Um, everything we're doing is child-centered. We want that child to be as healthy as he or she can be. And so that's why I want to take care of these moms on the front end and make sure they're not struggling physically, emotionally, spiritually, if that's a part of their story, and all those ways. And then we want, again, the families to be prepared because our focus is for this child to be as healthy as they can be in, in their adoption. And we're just continually talking about how can we do that and you know what, what's the next step in making this the best it can be for everybody in the triad. And then also talk about the plan for the Baptist Children's Home for adoptive families. Because in my mind, the, what you are proposing, what you're trying to carry out is a game changer in the adoptive world. It, it absolutely is. Our hope is that we can allow families to adopt through us and not have a fee. And that's why we're asking them to partner with us in ministry, because um, that would be, in our minds, the fee, is that they partner with us in other parts of our ministry, in foster care and in respite care. And, you know, the beauty is that I'm the only person that we've added on staff at this point. So we already have trained people to do home studies and mm -hmm. counselors. And our goal is that anyone who feels called by God to raise a child through adoption can have that option. I hope those that are listening really know how how significant, how significant is. this is. Because all of a sudden you have allowed any Christian couple, they're on a level playing field. Absolutely. Uh, because yes. I know when we adopted, uh, it was it was pretty costly. It was it was, and as times changed, so did that, and it yes. became more costly. And it does eliminate a lot of families again who feel called to parent, and uh, who feel called to step into the life of a child whose mom needs that, so she can move on with her life and know that her child is safe and stable and cared for, and so. That's been our plan and our goal from the beginning. Is I know of no other agency doing this. I don't either. I don't either. That, that is just remarkable, and I'm incredibly proud of the Arkansas Baptist Children's Home um, and I for stepping out by faith. Absolutely, and I want whoever's listening to this to know that I'm incredibly proud, too. I just joined the team, but again, I only did it because I see all the things they're doing here and all the ways that they are wanting to build strong 
families. And it helps to be part of the Arkansas Baptist family because you do have a network of churches across Arkansas that already supports we do. you. Yes. And you've got built in you've got built in families ready to adopt, ready to step up and minister. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're excited. Yeah. So have you had your first adoption yet? We have not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably God's protection right now as we yeah. get everything in place. Absolutely. So my hope is the minute he feels like we're ready to go, you know, things are going to start happening. But I'm okay right now with not having a placement because I want to make sure that we do this with excellence. And we're, we're, we're almost to that place, I think. Well, that's incredible. So I guess the other social workers within the Arkansas Baptist family are the ones that do the home studies and things they like are, that. They are, and the pregnancy counselors. And the nice thing about that is they're all around the state, too. Yes. And so they can quickly get to someone and being in the center of the state was good and okay, but if you have someone much closer to you, uh, it's better for both of them, you know, to, to do what they need to do. So, yes, I've been uh, talking with and training the ladies who are going to work with um, our uh, women who are pregnant and need someone to come alongside them. And I'm just about to do some of the same type of work with the people who are going to be doing the home studies. Well, my, I'm a social worker. That's my background. My husband's a social worker. Right. That's his background. We knew exactly what the home study would be. And still we were nervous wrecks. Sure. <laughs> well, we kind of picked your life apart, didn't we? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's what I want to warn people about when I sit down with them. This is going to be way more than what you may be thinking it's going to be in terms of what we need to ask and know. And so, yeah, yeah and, and to add that adoption piece, it's just um, good to have people who are trained and all of that and how to yes. ask those questions and help y'all know what we're asking and what the answer is. Well, what helped us, we were at the time going through the process to be appointed as North American missionaries, and they pick your life apart too. And so a lot of the things that we had prepared for that process helped us in the adoption right. process. Right. So even though both processes were extremely challenging, we felt fortunate that they were happening simultaneously. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, that's a good thing. And you know, you were nervous, and, and so are those women who come to us. Everybody's nervous. Yeah, I know. It's a very bittersweet time, yeah. you know, for everybody in the process. And um, when it works out uh, in a child's best interest, that's just, that's a really satisfying, grateful feeling. Well, tell me what you would say to a couple considering adoption. Well, I would say make sure you're both on the same page and that um, you both are seeking it for the same reason. And then I used to use this quote, uh, there will be some darkness in this, not anything bad, but just a waiting time period. Not a lot of women choose adoption these days. And you may feel called to it and you may go through the process and you may think that's the worst, the hardest thing you've ever done, but the waiting is the hardest thing you've ever done. But what I've learned is if God has brought you to this, and it feels dark, hang in there, because the lights will shine again if this is where God has you and what He has for you. And it will be the child that He has for you. Yeah. Uh, don't worry if someone else receives a child and you don't. That's the child God had for them. There will be a child that is for you, and that's who you want. That's who you want to parent and love and support. I can testify to exactly what you're saying, because we were asked to adopt a daughter. And I still remember the day Frank took a phone call and I could tell something was wrong. And when he hung up the phone, he said the family changed their mind and we're not going to be able to adopt that little girl. 
And I, I just remember my world falling apart. But then exactly what you said, that wasn't the child for us. Hannah was. Yeah, it, like everything else in life, if we stay God-focused, we can work through those things. It's when we forget <laughs> that He's in control and want to control it ourselves that we, uh, I think it hurts, it's harder, and we get off track. So again, if He's called you to that, do what you have to do and what you can do. Prepare, get trained and educated. Start to pray for women who are in crisis that they will see this as an option that's in the best interest of their child, and then hang on for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What would you say to a birth mother that might be considering adoption? Well, I think it's important for her, when she's looking at adoption, really truthfully, to make sure she looks at every option that's available to her. So for a Christian agency, that's really single parenting or adoption, because we wouldn't offer abortion information or as an option at all. But I think you don't make good decisions unless you look at all your decisions, and then you rule out what doesn't work for you. And so we would, we would help her do that. And when she decides that adoption is the option, then let us help you through the process. You know, sometimes when you think something's right, you don't think it's going to be hard because it's right. It feels right. But sometimes but it's still hard. The, right, the most right things to do are the hardest things. And so I would say, let us help you through the process. Let us prepare you. We want you to be healthy on the other side of this. And just let us walk you through the process. You get, she gets to make really all on this side of it before the baby's born and placed. We let her be in the driver's seat because that's healthy for her. It lessens her regrets and her guilt and shame and all the things that can come with that. And so she can pick the family and decide if she would like some openness. And then we will find families who are open to what she's open to. And then on the other side of it, for those of you listening saying, well, I don't know if I want her in control forever, she won't be. Once you adopt that child, then you get to be the parent and be in control. Again, we want everybody to be healthy, and that just over the years has appeared to us to be the healthiest thing for her is to be very involved. And we want her to do that, and we'll let her do that. Very good. What about the church family? What would you say to our church family? That's a good question. I would say pray for both both sides of this. Uh, Pray for women in crisis. Reach out to them. Love on them. They've made a mistake or they've made a bad choice or however you want to see that. But haven't we all done that in in some way in our lives? There just happens to be a very visible one, you know. So love on them and make church a safe place for them. Sometimes they don't feel safe there. So make it a safe place for them and for the families love on them as well, because as Sandy and I have attested to, the home study is kind of grueling. It can be. And then you're through with that and you think, this is going to happen any day and it may not happen any day. And so they struggle as well. And sometimes just to get really honest here, when there's infertility, that is a separate grief and loss. And so be, um, be kind to people who don't have children Be careful the questions you ask them because they could be very painful for them. And then in this process, just support them. Don't tell them what you think they ought to do, but support them in the process and pray for them. And if they have, you know, um, a a shower for them, just like uh, Sandy and Frank had. Sometimes you don't think about that with adoption, but this is your birthing moment, you know? And so think of ways that you can encourage them. Uh, once they know they're going to be receiving a child and bringing that child home. 
those meals afterwards, just like you do for people who give birth. They, they're going to be as tired as anybody else. <laughs> so think of what you would do in a biological situation and adjust it for those families in your body and support the ministry of adoption. See it as not why would she do that, but wow. How can we come alongside and help? Well, wonderful. I'm just so proud of you, and I'm proud of Arkansas Baptist Children's Home. I am proud of them, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. Well, thank you. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for introducing me to podcasting. (laughs) Well, I think you did well. I told you it'd be painless. (laughs) I've enjoyed every minute of it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Becky. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. Your Baptist Children's Home is often the bridge standing between birth parents and adoptive parents. They are cheering and supporting, advocating, educating, and counseling for as long as it takes. Next conversation, you will hear a testimony from a foster parent. Thank you for joining us for On the Journey Conversations.